Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart Podcast, episode 125. I'm your host, Derek Moore. This week, I'm going to be telling you why you should not watch the news, turn off CNBC, Fox Business, Bloomberg TV, Bloomberg Financial TV, I guess it's just Bloomberg TV, Cheddar TV, right? That's one of the ones on the streaming channel I see every once in a while. Why you should turn those off and just look at the data. You know, most of the stuff that people talk about, and I'm going to get into inflation and home prices and things like, you know, used car prices, different types of inflation. All you hear about right now is inflation, inflation, inflation. Is it transitory? Is it sticky? What's going on there? But you have access to all of this data. And so depending upon whether or not, you know, a, a, an outlet or a site or whatever wants to, uh, they, they can sort of pick time frames sometimes and show things that look, you know, very dire. But also, um, you can take a look at the data, you can compare it to previous, you know, time frames. And you can also try and get an understanding of, of the why behind all of this. And as we get into used cars and some of the other prices, I think that will happen. So we know that CPI came out. Uh, CPI, of course, is the Consumer Price Index. For June, it was up uh, month over month about 0.88% or 88 basis points. Remember, 1% would be 100 basis points. 0.01% uh, would be one basis point. Okay, so if I say it rose 88 basis points, it means it went up 0.88%. And that caused a, a little bit of a stir, especially because when you look at the year-over-year -year numbers, so that was May to June, that 0.88. If we look at the year-over-year, -year, that was about 5.4%, okay? And so... You know, then then what we're doing is we're taking a look. We're saying, okay, what was it in June of last year? What was it in June of 21? And you compare the index price. And so remember, this is all items, uh, not, and it includes food and energy. So core CPI would exclude, I mean, throw out food and energy. Why? Because they say those are volatile. And then later, we'll get also the PCE and core PCE. Um, that's usually a week or two weeks lag. And the PCE inflation is actually, uh, my understanding, what the Fed actually looks at when they are evaluating inflation, among other things. So they prefer that one, and the weights are a little bit different in the basket. So we'll kind of, uh, I, I think I did another podcast on that, and you can go back and take a look at that. Now, when you see 5.4% year over year, that looks like a lot, right? Now, remember, nothing like we had in the late 70s, early 80s, but certainly more than we've had or, or popped up uh, for quite some time, right? So, but there's a little bit of a story here with what is making up that change. And I want to be careful here. You know, number one is... I don't have a sense, you know, I don't have a crystal ball saying what inflation is going to be going forward. And I don't think anybody on TV really does. They're making predictions. They're making guesses based on probabilities. And they're using a lot of information. I think that's fine. So 
But I, I do think it's helpful to to take a look and and just see is there anything interesting in that data? Uh, what's causing that? Is it one thing? Is it multiple things? Is it across the board? Everything's going up. And I'll set aside the discussion today for whether CPI or core, you know, CPI or PCE is the best measure. Uh, there's uh, different sites who have alternative inflation gauges, and they always claim. Uh, that inflation's up much more than the government numbers. But I'm going to pull up a piece, uh, and I, I started to do this, and then I saw somebody pass me a, uh, a tweet from Scott Minard. He is uh, the chief investment officer at Guggenheim Partners. And he put out a piece, and he titled it, Still No Reason to Panic About Inflation. And one of the things that he pointed out in his numbers, at least, was that uh, when you look at what was causing the spike of inflation, and we think about that June number, remember June was up 0.88%, uh, which means that point or, or 88 basis points, right? We already talked about that. He was saying 64 of the 88 basis points, and I'm quoting his, uh, his article here. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Um, he puts out some um, some interesting data on inflation and on markets, so it's probably worth uh, bookmarking. But he he said, look, the upside surprise, while sizable, continues to be, I'm quoting here, continues to be driven by a few small categories seeing outsized price increases. 64, the 88 basis point month-over-month increase in core CPI was due to new and used autos, car rentals, hotels, and airfare. So used cars, car rentals, hotels, and airfare. And he said, by and large, the the largest driver among these categories was used car prices, which grew 10.5% over the month, which means used car prices went up 10.5% from May to June. And he's saying that contributed uh, 42 basis points. So of the 0.88, 0.42 uh, 0.42% of of the 0.88% increase month over month uh, in the core CPI print, right? Core is X food and energy. And the other interesting thing is, and I I like the fact that he put this out, it saved me the time of doing it. Uh, Hopefully you go to that site and check out their stuff. Uh, But he said, look, you know, that only has a 4% weighting in the core CPI basket. Remember, all these things in the basket, it's not like you, you put the basket, and in theory, right, you have a grocery basket and you, you put a car in there, you put some, uh, some food, you put rice, you put uh, cell phones, you put all this stuff. It's not all weighted the same. Like I think owner equivalent rent is something like, uh, you know, or shelter is, is in the 30% or so. I'll have to double check that. Uh, but he's saying despite only being 4% of the core CPI basket, it contributed 42 basis points. So um, quoting him, he said, this is not the picture of widespread runaway inflation. And there's a graph in here as well. And he says, look, autos and reopening sectors still explain most of the inflation spike. So uh, new cars, hotels, used cars, car rental, airfare. And if you sort of look at that, you can see that, uh, you know, the core CPI was up 
0.88%, right? Uh, but all of those things were certainly, uh, you know, up quite a lot. So, you know, it is, will this continue? Will it not continue? Again, I, I don't know. Um, but there's a couple of things I would suggest that you start to look at. And, you know, look, I mean, when you watch the news, sometimes they're, they're just reading, you know, off some data and they're like, you know, inflation is up the highest since 1991 and all those things. Uh, inflation may continue, may not continue. Um, he does make a point in here too, and I thought this was really interesting. Uh, he said, look, the CPI used vehicles, and that typically has a two-month lag. And then he com uh, compared that to the Mannheim used vehicle value index. So that uh, uh, that's an index that looks to be... Uh, looking at used car prices. And what you can see is that the CPI has a lag on it, meaning the CPI that comes out, you know, just came out, um, doesn't necessarily reflect the up-to-date, up-to-the-moment things, right? So one of the things he shows in this chart is the Mannheim used vehicle index went back below zero and is negative, um, showing that prices have, have started declined. Uh, to decline after uh, after peaking. Now we don't know what's going to happen going forward, but certainly that's uh, that's an interesting data point. So, and and by the way, um, he, he puts an, I'll quote him again. He says, "Look for inflation to stay elevated on a more sustained basis, um, we'll need to see more economy-wide price increases, especially in healthcare and housing." Um, and he, he makes a point, and, and I'll talk about later, healthcare prices are flat month over month. Rents and owners' equivalent rents showed no acceleration from May. And then what he did too, and look, I mean, there's, so he, he compares the core CPI and the core CPI, uh, consumer price index, excluding autos, airfare, and hotels. And one of the comments somebody made to him um, I don't think he, he responded, but was that, look, I mean, at some point, how much stuff are you going to take out? You know, if you keep taking stuff out and say, you know, there's no inflation, right? And that, that's a valid point to make. Uh, but I, I think in context, um, what I find interesting is when you look at sort of the, uh, uh, the trends on this, and although the core CPI was up uh, about four and a half percent. When you look at the core CPI X autos, airfare, and hotels, it's actually lower than right before the uh, you know February March period. It's lower than you know I'll call it mid two thousand eighteen. It's uh, and and honestly, if you know if I was just eyeballing this, I would say it's about equal right to those periods. A uh, little bit, you know, let's call it 2016, middle of 2016. It's about the same. And it's lower than in, you think about the 2008, 2009 uh, great financial crisis. About midway through the recession, it's actually, it is lower than those two points. So anyway, that, I thought that was an interesting perspective to bring up. And this is why, you know, this stuff is all out there. And so when you hear headlines like this, 
I encourage you to actually pull up the data. Uh, the other thing that uh, you know you kind of take a look at is, and I've been watching, I've mentioned it on this program several times, I continue to watch uh, the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta has a graph. If you Google sticky price CPI, Atlanta Fed, and they have a graph. And so one of the things you can do, remember the, uh, uh, I forget which episode I did this on, but you've got the sticky CPI, which is things that are, you know, prices are not able to change that that quickly. Uh, those are items, they're the quote unquote sticky items, flexible CPI, and certainly, you know, uh, different things that are, you know, prices are able to change more rapidly, more flexible, change quickly. So for June of 2021, the sticky CPI was up 2.7% over the last 12 months. Uh, the flexible CPI was up 13.7%. So thinking about, and that's certainly high, uh, right? Uh, if you go back and you look at the st sticky CPI though, um, it was in January of 2020, the 12 month sticky was 2.8%. The flexible CPI was up 1.8%. And I like to go back, you can go back all the way to 1967 on this chart. And one of the things you, you look at is uh, late 60s, you know, 1969, 1970, right before that recession, you had uh, sticky CPI was actually higher than flexible, 7% to 5%. And then, of course, you look uh, again in the 70s, you can see we had, uh, the last time we had really, really high inflation, uh, both the sticky and the flexible CPI were both rising. And I encourage you to look at this chart because over a longer time frame, you find that sticky is sort of really, you know, excluding the, you know, the 70s and early 80s, once inflation abated and came back down, that is, that has been pretty, uh, you know, pretty much flat uh, with a little bit of oscillation where the flexible stuff um, actually did make, uh, you know, different gyrations up and down. If you look at uh, even July of 2009, Here's an interesting one. Flexible CPI was minus 7%, but the sticky was plus 2.1%. So, you know, these are, I encourage you to take a look at that. I'll be watching that. I'll continue to watch that. I think that's a good gauge to see whether this, uh, uh, certainly the early part of this year, if uh, real inflation starts to take hold, I think that would be an interesting place to, uh, to see that. And so, when we look at, uh, you know, we're thinking about, I don't know, rental cars, right? And so rent, rental cars, if, okay, so why is it that rental car prices are so far up? And the, the easy thing to say would be that, okay, well, we were locked down, right? Different governments, they lock people um, in their houses, you couldn't, uh, nobody was traveling. It was very restricted. There was no business travel. So that's definitely, you know, part of why prices and demand absolutely evaporated. And so remember, when we're looking, we're looking at month to month, but we're also looking at year over year data here. So, but I think there's a little bit more to the, the rental car situation. And I don't know if you remember, but company, a little company called Hertz, 
uh, one of the, I joke around about that, right? But Hertz, one of the main names in, in the rental car arena. I can remember that, uh, well, you may not know this, they filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection in 2020. And so I'm quoting from, uh, this is Business Insider. They're saying, look, when the COVID-19 pandemic halted travel around the U.S., car rental companies like Hertz, which filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection in 2020, and Avis had to sell off chunks of their fleets to save money. And so you think about that. And I remember somebody uh, passing me a, a, you know, a car that was for sale, and it seemed like it was really good price below market from Hertz. Hertz was sort of selling off their... Uh, uh, their cars. And so think about that. You have companies that are selling off cars and there's no demand. And so a lot of their, their inventory is gone. And then as a kind of result, all of a sudden, if people start traveling again, and remember, uh, you know, rental car companies have to get cars in certain places. And I think about Hawaii, which of course, if you wanted to get cars there, you'd have to put them on a, a container ship or a, a, maybe not a container ship. And, I, and I'll, by the way, I, last week I covered some of the issues with the, the container shipping situation. Also, in, in my opinion only, uh, causing some of this because producers and, and you know, different companies are having to pay more to ship goods around the world. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you have this sort of uh, reopening as uh, people started traveling again, uh, economies or, or states are more open, and it's the summer. Summer, guess what, is vacation season. So, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's part of it. Will this work itself out? Will they eventually get more cars? Um, one of the things this article pointed out was that it's not that easy, and they pointed to, um, here, I'll quote, it's, uh, it's for the companies buying new cars, it's not that simple. A computer chip shortage has begun to harm the auto industry, making it more difficult and expensive for companies to acquire new vehicles. Um, and so, and it goes on, I'll quote, quote, continue quoting, I guess, this chip shortage is the number one issue preventing these companies from quickly restocking their fleets because of skyrocketing used car prices and decreasing number of car new cars. So, yeah, a couple things that um, are maybe specific to, uh, to that industry. So what, what are other things that I kind of keep an eye on with regards to, uh, uh, to sort of prices and, and purchasing power and things like that? Well, um, there is something called, uh, you can look this up on the uh, Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis site or FRED. So here's a tip. Anytime you want to find something economics-wise, go ahead and just put the name in, in Google or Bing or whatever browser you use and put the name in, but put Fred, F-R-E-D, in front of it. And that will probably help you get to some of these charts a little bit quicker. There's tons of free stuff on there. And you can edit the, edit the graphs, put multiple things, change the axis, change, you know, all that stuff. Uh, you can also do calculations within the, the data on their site. You can export it to Excel. So a lot of good stuff there. So one of the things that happened with, um, you know, I suppose the, the stimulus, right? 
sent out a lot of money, um, you know, any, any number of things. But real disposable income, so anytime we say the word real in front of something, it means it's adjusted for inflation. In other words, let's say you had disposable income of $10,000, and but you know, you got a 20% raise or you got a 20%, you get what I'm saying. Um, so now you have $12,000, but inflation was 20%. Your disposable income really didn't go up at all because although it went up 20%, inflation also went up 20%. So this is accounting for adjusted for inflation. So it was, you know, looking back from, let's say, 2013, it was a pretty nice, steady, smooth uptrend. And all of a sudden, we went from, and this is going to be in trillions of dollars, uh, February of, of 2020, uh, disposable income, real disposable income, um, was about $15.1 trillion. April of 20, it spikes, goes to $17.2 trillion. Uh, Mar- or by December, it came back down 15.5. By March of 2021, that was sort of the, the peak, at least you know thus far, right? That was $19.5 trillion. And then in May, it came back down to $16 trillion. And so I bring this up because this real disposable income shot up and it had a couple different peaks if you if you I encourage you to pull up this uh, this chart so more disposable income remember it, this isn't rocket science it's simple supply and demand it's about money that people have and so you know if if this comes back down and stays more along the uh, the trend line go you know that was established prior to, to coming into the, the recession and the, the lockdowns, you know, maybe that's something to, to take a look at as well. So, um, which, yeah, so real disposable personal income. I, I think I'll leave it there. And, uh, but this is something to, to keep an eye on. And you want this, by the way, you want this to be going higher because you want people to have more you know, disposable income after inflation or accounting for inflation. The other thing we've heard a lot about is home prices. And are home prices too high? Are we in a bubble in home prices? And let me be clear, this is not a market that, I mean, I own a home, uh, but I'm focused in the, uh, you know, the stock market, right? And building portfolios. And and by the way, all this stuff, like if you're trying to figure out, should I sell, should I not sell? I mean, this is why primarily we focus on hedged equity strategies, right? So you have downside protection, you have buffers, you have different things so that you don't have to be trying to figure stuff out. You know, is now the time to sell, is now the time not to sell. But I do see the headlines and I saw a headline recently, I forget where I saw it, uh, about the coming you know, housing bubble where prices have never been higher um, and things like that. So what I like to do is I like to think about what's, I don't want to call it a second order, but, but a secondary thing that I could take a look at. And as many of you know, that most people, um, their affordability for a house is based upon what their, their income. And, you know, I suppose their credit. I'm certainly no expert in, in that. Although I will say that I did see a piece, I uh, forget where I saw it, that unlike prior to 2008, 
where the, the credit, they looked at the quality of borrowers, mortgage borrowers, and it's, it's still pretty high compared to, um, you know, 2007, 2008. If you ever watched the movie The Big Short, they have that scene where they talk about ninja loans, no income, no job loans, and things like that. So uh, apparently that, that's not happening, uh, at least up to this point. But when you take a look and, uh, I mean, most people, their affordability is, is how much is their payment relative to their income. And so I, I took a look, and this is also on the Federal Reserve, uh, St. Louis, Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis or Fred's site, and I wanted to see uh, what mortgage debt service was. So this is how you, you find this. It's mortgage debt service uh, payments as a percentage of disposable personal income. And it was interesting. When you take a look at this, in Q1 of 2021, so this is quarterly, it was about 3.45%, which means you know the interest payments to service the debt was only 3.45% of disposable personal income. We just talked about disposable personal income. And then I went on the chart. This chart goes, let me see how far this goes back. This goes back to... Uh, around 1980. But right before 2008, it was more than double that. It was about 7.2% of disposable income. So, and yeah, I mean, these are, is this median or is this average? I don't know if it says, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's interesting as home prices are going up with low interest rates. And at least according to this, mortgage debt service payments as a percent of disposable income, it made a new low. Um, you know, on this chart in 1980, that was the lowest point, 4.375%. And then right before, you know, so what is this? Q, yeah, Q1 of 2020 it was 4%. So it started to, to sort of come down. And then, by the way, um, there's another one you can look at too, and that is. Uh, Oh, where is this? Where is this disposable income? Hang on, let me find it. I wanted, I wanted to see if I can find just uh, general. Oh yeah, household debt service payments as percent of disposable income. So I think this uh, includes more than just mortgages. And that one is about 8.22%, 8.23%. Right before 2008, by the way, and, and again, this is more than just housing. It was about 13.2%. So as to remember, disposable income is higher right now. So if that comes back into, uh, into play, you know, you might see that percentage go back up. But remember, your payment is a function of the home price, but also uh, the interest rate that you're paying and interest rates are really low. Just to give you, and these aren't inflation adjusted numbers, but it was about uh, on household debt, so this is everything. It's about, you know, if you do the quick math, around 1.3 trillion is the dollar amount. And then in 2008, it was like 1.5 trillion. So that's, uh, you know, taking, taking that percentage times the, uh, uh, the disposable personal income. Okay, so kind of let's 
let's move on from that. But I, I just think it's, it's interesting to look at, um, rather than just look at things like home prices, like how, what percentage of people's income are they paying for their mortgages? Uh, rates are pretty low. So I am no expert in housing, uh, not a market that I am, you know, an investor in or, or running strategies on. I'll leave that for other people. Um, but what I want you to take a look at is to just go beyond the numbers. And then I, I think it's worth going in and digging in a little bit on this CPI. There's some interesting spots on here because the BLS, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, uh, they put out a PDF and it's a, a pretty comprehensive PDF, but it's, it's not hard to read. And what they do is they break out the categories. So they'll look, so all items, remember it was 5.4%. Uh, May to June rounded was nine, you know, 0.9% or 0.88% without rounding. And then you can kind of look at different items like food was up 2.4% uh, year over year, 0.7% month over month. Um, so, and then you kind of look, I mean, there's just energy is a big one too. So energy is, um, let's spend a second on that. Obviously energy tied to fuel prices, right? So there is, uh, if, if we look and we look back at, uh, oh, I don't know. Let's look at, uh, you know, oil a year ago, crude oil was something like, I don't know, a little bit over $40 a barrel. And then today it's over $70 a barrel. And, you know, you can see the energy, you can see that reflected in the CPI. Uh, energy was up 24.5% year over year, or 2.3% month over month. Uh, but you drill down a little bit, fuel oil was up 44.5%. Now, energy, by the way, is about, um, you know, it's, it's not, a, a, it's not as, as high as, let's say, rent or shelter, owner's equivalent rent. But it's, it's a pretty good uh, piece of uh, the CPI. And, you know, utilities, piped gas service was up 15.6% year over year, 1.8% month over month. Used cars and used trucks. This is what Scott Minard was talking about from Guggenheim that we, that we uh, referenced earlier. 45.2% year over year and 10.8% month over month. Uh, so that is, uh, you know, that's quite a bit, right? And we mentioned the chip shortage. I'm, I'm not an expert in the auto sector by any means, but it seems like that, uh, you know, new vehicles was up 5.3% year over year and used cars and trucks 45.2% year over year. So, yeah, I mean, that's maybe uh, people can't get new vehicles, so they're buying used vehicles. Um, or maybe it's the stimulus money. People are buying cars with that, I have no idea. Um, or it's maybe it's back to work. Or people have moved out of cities and now they need a car. You know, I'll leave that for somebody else uh, uh, to do. If we look at shelter, though, so shelter was up about 2.6% year over year, 0.5% month over month. Rent of primary residence, 1.9% uh, year over year, 0.2% uh, month over month. So owner's equivalent rent up 2.3%, 0.3% month over month. So thus far, 
Um, and that's more of a sticky CPI item. So you can't just, you know, jack up rents uh, by 20%, right, month over month, right? That's, it takes a little bit longer to, to go through the system. So that is, uh, you know, not really spiking quite like the other things. Airline fares, 24.6% year over year, 2.6% month over month. Yeah, guess what? Nobody was really flying last year. Uh, so, you know, a better, I, in my opinion, I mean, once we get to 2022 and we're comparing it to 2021 numbers, I think that's going to be a, a little more fair comparison, certainly than, uh, you know, looking at lockdown periods and non-lockdowns and, um, you know, in the middle of code and different things like that. Here's, here's a positive one. Food at employee sites and schools down 29 minus, there we go, minus 29.9% year over year. Uh, it was up 0.4% month over month. So, uh, you know, it's a fascinating little one. Yeah, so food away from, food away from home, uh, pretty much flat month over month. Not too much going on there. Uh, what's some other interesting ones? Oh, yeah, laundry equipment up 29.4% year over year, 3.5% month over month. So I've heard that. I've heard some people who need washers, dryers, dishwashers, and apparently they're, maybe it's a supply chain thing. But, you know, like I look at, uh, uh, I, I won't go through too many of these. There's one, okay, so used trucks, we already said that up 45.2% year over year. Um, there was another one too that was, uh, I don't know if it was triple figures. I think it was, uh, oh, here it is. Car and truck rental. This is the biggest one. Up 87.7% year over year or 12% month over month. So yeah. And you know, look, the waiting is not that high, but when you have substantial increases like that, you know, as Scott Minner pointed out, it can sort of add up a little bit. All right, so a couple bits of things just to, to kind of review. Where do you get this stuff? Uh, I get most of my things through that FRED, Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis site. They've got a ton of uh, great charts information, and you can download it. You can add different things to the charts. You can do equations on it. And then the BLS, uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics, They all the information that I have, you can go and look at that. The sticky versus the flexible CPI. That's going to be the Atlanta Fed site, and yeah, I mean, I would I would so encourage everybody to to just when you hear a headline and they're they're doing a lot of fear and, and different things like that, just take a look. All this stuff is out there. You can take a look for yourself, and you can start to to look at it. Is inflation going to continue? Is the Fed going to raise rates early? Um, I like to watch the bond market. And thus far, although yields spiked a little bit in, what was that, March? I guess it was March. You know, they've, they've come back down. And they've, uh, the 10-year bond was under 1.3% again. And then you look at something like, uh, you know, the futures markets. You can look at the Fed funds futures. And I don't think they are pricing in a quarter point increase from the Fed until sometime in 2023. The other ones you can look is uh, the Euro dollar futures. So 
Um, by the way, euro dollars, uh, maybe I'll do a whole episode on euro dollar futures and I mean, probably not like five people would listen to that, but I mean, maybe be more, let me know if you, if you want me to, to cover that. But when you look at the euro dollar futures, that is the implied rate of the very short term LIBOR rate. So a lot of loans are based upon LIBOR. Uh, we talked about LIBOR. We talked about SOFR uh, two episodes ago when we had uh, our senior loan expert on talking about uh, you know how loans are priced. But w- let's say if a uh, if a euro dollar future for a certain month was was priced you know ninety nine point five. You basically take 100 minus that, and that implies the, uh, uh, what the forward LIBOR rate is going to be. So thus far, we really haven't seen any real move on the, uh, the euro-dollar futures. And I, I like to, to look at the Fed funds futures, the euro-dollar futures, and the bonds, because that is showing what the market thinks on rates. And uh, the market can be wrong. I don't know where rates are going. You know, again, this is why you're always hedged. So you don't have to really be concentrating and thinking about this stuff. But uh, that's a couple of places that I look. All right, as always, please share this. Don't waste time rating and reviewing and starring unless, of course, you want to do that. By all means, make sure it's five stars. And uh, continue to to, uh, let me know what topics that you want me to cover. And we should have uh, some guests coming up as well that I think you'll you'll find interesting. So if you have an idea for a guest or if if you want to be a guest on here, I'm happy to, to, to talk to you as well. All right. Have a great week, everyone. We will talk to you soon.